Once again, uh, golf swing. Golf swing. Golf. <laughs> That's like. Are you going to take a mulligan? No, I'm just going to say, yeah, that was like, uh, I just topped it off the uh, first tee. Uh, I didn't, you know, there's a weird thing in golf. One of the weirdest things in golf that I've ever heard or we've ever heard, I think, as golfers is the, uh, is the dick out. Like, I don't understand, like, so the, the idea, if you don't know, there's one person listening who doesn't know, it's if you hit a tee shot and doesn't get past the ladies' tee, oh, ladies' forward tees now. The forward tee. sorry, that's right. <laughs> if you don't get past the uh, non-binary tees, for some reason, you're supposed to take your dick out. And then you have to keep, I think the rule is, you have to keep your dick out until you get to your golf ball. I just don't I'm not never, sure if that's in the rules of golf or not. I think it is. It's in the uh, most uh, recently amended rules of golf. Anyway, I always thought that was a curious tradition. Very curious. Oh, all right. Uh, here we are, everybody. Um, welcome to Swing Thoughts. I was going to say, hey, golf nerds. Swing STDs. Swing thought golf. devotees. Golfer people. Uh, of course, uh, I'm golf spiritual leader. Humble Howard, or as Tim refers to me in any correspondence, Howard Glassman, because he's ashamed of me. <laughs> Look, right. at least no. I don't call you that. At least I don't call you the How Man or hey, Howie. Well, listen, if you won't call me, if you won't refer to me as Humble Howard, you're sure not going to call me the How Man. I would take the How Man. H. I, would, I just actually, I just usually all, refer to you as H. In all, no, you don't. In all correspondence, official correspondence for this program, I'm referred to as your co-host, Rich, your co-host, Howard Glassman, as though the name. Or once in a while, what he'll do? Oh, yeah, let's let, let's air it out. Once in a while, what he does is he will put humble in brackets, as though it's like you know that clown. <laughs> Oh, come on. The clown. That's projection. Dude, I'm just having a little... That's projection. That's what that is. You know what this is called? This is called fun. This is called improv. Just go with it. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I mean, I didn't yes and that? Yeah, you went, no, that's not what it is. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I committed a... I'm not sure if that's a venial or a mortal sin of uh, Well, you tell me, little Catholic boy. Um, No, I was just having some... I saw it yesterday when you... uh, you, Tim does all the, uh, you know, pre, I was going to say follow-up, but all the pre-stuff with our audience, um, with our guests, who, by the way, has not joined us yet. And in your, in your, I guess you're making, what did you, what would you call it? You're sort of checking in to make sure that they understand that their show is, this is when we're doing it. The confirmation. And, that, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> a, is that another dick out for the how man? <clears throat> anyway, um, and so I just saw that there. And I've seen it a few places. And I don't, you know, honestly, other than for the funsies, I don't really care. Do you want it to be, uh, to, to, to be humble? Just, it's just, we'll say with humble Howard, you know? Let's not waste time here. Let's well, get straight I, to I, it. I'm bringing it up because I find it a curious. Mostly, I, mostly I just find it hilarious, but I don't really care. If you want to, if it embarrasses you, listen. We had this discussion on again, the again. You're you're totally. This is like having a conversation with my wife. No, it's not. This is like this she's is, saying you're just thinking. No, I'm not. Okay, here's the thing. Again, I'll refer to the fact that we're doing what's called a bit in the business on the Humble and Fred show. Do I? Don't make me take you out and really 
so on the Humble and Fred show the other day, we were talking about nicknames. How back when we started, when I started in radio, everybody had a nickname. The all the ethnic, all the ethnicity was nicknamed out of radio people because for some reason they didn't think they could handle somebody named Glassman or whatever. And so it was routine in the seventies to change your name to something like Robert W. Morgan or Shotgun Tom Rivers or whatever, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, when the guy who gave me my nickname did, I was 17 years old. Little did I think I'd still be dragging it around at 63. So, no, this is not like your wife. This is like the, the, the improv class you spent all that money for. It's called just go with it. I don't okay, really. I, I said to you, I don't really give a shit what you call me. I just think it's cute that the name Humble Howard sometimes seems like an embarrassment to you. Listen, it's an embarrassment to me. <laughs> uh, Sasha, where the hell are you? Yeah, you're like, Jesus, I didn't think we were going to do this kind of fun. Let's start the show again. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Swing Thoughts. Uh, I'm Howard Glassman, along with Timothy O'Connor. I sometimes call him Timothy Aloysius. And, um, yeah, Sasha hasn't uh, checked in for some reason. This, this, I don't think, has this ever happened to us where we've had somebody bail? No, no. This is a first 226 episode. Yeah, this is episode 226. I mean, I don't think anyone's actually ever bailed on the day. You're right. Yeah. Bail is a kind of a harsh word. Uh, forgotten, maybe? I don't know. Um, you know, when I did a, a golf radio show live on Talk 640 back... Um, in the 90s, I always had a backup <laughs> were, were, you, were you shotgun Tim O'Connor at that time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I always kept a backup tape of an interview I did with, I even think it was with Dick Sokol, to be honest. Nice. Uh, in case a, 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 uh, a guest didn't show, we could play this tape. Yes, indeed, it was on uh, analog tape. Yeah. And I never had to play it. But so... So this is a first, but we're okay. We're we're adapting. We're well, that's why creating. I did the five minute bit on my name. I thought that would kill some time, but all it did was kill the mood. Um, and anyway, I'm just teasing with you, pal. I know it's like uh, you're a, a kind, gentle soul, and I and I need to remember that. Um, you know, it's funny you speaking to Dick Sokol. I guarantee, you if I texted him now and said, "Hey, come on the show," he would. Yeah. Hey, just getting out of the shower, but barely. I mean, he, the fact that he's up all the time. I've been on the way to the golf course, you know, eight thirty or nine our time, and I get a text from him I'm like, "Dude, it's six o'clock on the West Coast." He's like, "Ah, oh, I'm always awake." I know he he's one of those like he's got so much energy. I remember back in the uh, I don't know whenever the energy crisis was, there was a great line. So if you put a wire up her ass, you solve the energy crisis. That's the way I think of Dick Zokel. He's just like when he he just seems to always be on. You say go and, you know, five minutes later, you've just got an encyclopedic dissertation on whatever the topic was. No, he's a bright man. And uh, I'm uh, excited to be involved in uh, what they're doing over there at uh, MindTrack. Well, that's cool. That's so cool. Well, maybe we'll talk about it since we have no guests. Um, This program is brought to you by TaylorMade Golf and the all new TaylorMade Stealth 2 Fairway Woods. I've got a three wood. I've got a hybrid and I've got this like a mini hybrid that I uh, I'm hoping to learn to use once we get to play golf outside. Oh but gosh, uh, yeah. the difference between 
last year's stealth three wood or fairway woods, especially the three wood is it's adjustable. And uh, it has this. And, and by the way, I don't have you ever I'm a little bit I've never been really super comfortable in adjusting my my own stuff because I'm like, am I going to screw this up? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like when I move weights around, I'm like, what if I can't remember where it was? But with this, it's simple. It's just front, middle, back. You want to hit the ball higher, you put it back. You want to hit the ball with a more of a penetrating ball flight. You move it forward anyway. The all-new Stealth 2 Plus Fairways from TaylorMade is more than a golf club. It's like a cheat code for your game. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Why don't you uh, brag on about Oscar Bravo, Mr. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at that I'm, shirt. I'm sporting one of the Oscar Bravo lovely polos, one of only 100 ever made. Um, yeah, this, these things are amazing. Um, I'm actually looking forward to to actually wearing them where I play golf and, and where I coach once the weather gets to uh, a certain agreeable temperature. But yeah, it's no, these, these shirts are absolutely amazing. And if you're looking for something that feels amazing on your skin, uh, looks incredible, has a collar that will always just be in perfect shape, yeah. and you know no one at your club will ever have this, check out whoisoscarbravo.com. That's right. A brand dedicated to painstakingly high-end quality and extremely limited production runs. Who is OscarBravo.com? And uh, I keep forgetting to do this, but I won't today. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things. Distance and forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the all-new Stealth 2 with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. Wait, did you say forgiveness like far or forgiveness like forgiveness? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I'm hearing far. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Exactly. Rory gets it. The all-new TaylorMade Stealth 2. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. So uh, without Sasho, Sasho McKenzie, I was looking forward to talking to him. He's uh, all about the stack system, heads-up putting. But I read something just before we started recording. And maybe it was before the Humble and Fred show this morning. I've been sitting in this chair care. now. I don't for, care when you read it. I know. Just, I'm just, just trying to... It's I'm just, interesting I'm, that you read I'm just, You know what I'm doing? I'm just musing out loud. But uh, I've been sitting in this chair for almost five hours, so I saw something with Rory, because after the Masters, he somewhat famously withdrew from the tournament. I think it was RBC, which was yeah, elevated. Yeah, he got He got fined. And, you know, it basically, he gave up $3 million in some kind of PIP redemption scheme that they have. Is that like they, is that like they take back a coupon or something? Yeah. I didn't understand it either. I just know that it cost him $3 million. And, and whatever the small fine was, it was nowhere near the the performance money he would have gotten because how that PIP is, is dispensed is wherever you land in the 2022 season, in order to collect it, you have to honor your agreements to appear in these certain tournaments. So famously, he didn't appear. And today, this is what I love about the guy. Today, there's an interview with him talking about it was definitely due to some mental distress. He admits, unlike a lot of other athletes, that he had some stink on him from uh, what he did at the Masters. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Um, 
And what did he say? So he talked about he knew exactly what I'm looking at the story in Sports Illustrated and that he knew what he was doing. He knew he was going to he goes, it sucked. It sucked. In his first public comment since the Masters, it's not the performance I obviously thought I was going to put up, nor was it the performance I wanted. Just incredibly disappointed, and I needed time to regroup and focus on what's ahead. So, yeah, uh, that that again, that's what we love about Rory. He's the most genuine, authentic guy on the tour. So I used uh, Rory McIlroy in a discussion with uh, Frederick Patterson. We were talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs last week before they finally got through this barrier yeah. of getting through the first round. I, I watch. I only watch the Leafs in April. I've spent almost no time. I'm not a regular season Leaf fan, but I like a, I like playoff hockey because I like I like sports when it really means something. Oh yeah. Same goodness. with football. Same with basketball. I watched the Buffalo Bills sporadically through the regular season, but I would watch all their playoff games. And I used Rory as an example of how pressure really impacts an athlete. I mean, there's a guy who was, I think, it was 2015, whatever, a long time ago. He was going to the Masters with a chance to win the the Grand Slam. Only five other people in history have ever done it. And every year that goes by now, it's going to get harder and harder for him to do that. Just like every year that's gone by with the Maple Leafs got harder and harder and harder to get by the first round. And you saw it when they won the other night on Saturday. You saw the relief. Oh, my gosh. It wasn't just exultation. It was <laughs> It was like they were unleashed from this burden. What are your thoughts? So I, that is such an apt comparison. I completely agree with you that the more that, you know, that I'll use the uh, perpendicular pronoun, I, the more that I want something, when it becomes craving and it becomes like this intense desire, and then you mix in this this um, sense of like, can I do this the question of whether i'm up to the challenge you know and you know is it possibly uh not necessarily i don't think the players are thinking that it's a freaking curse but they know that just the burden of it is in the back of their mind and just the little bits of questions you know why didn't i why couldn't i receive that pass you know why were we not able to close this out you know in game five or whatever um that creeping doubt it just it, it creeps into every part of of your game, your being, uh, in the way you talk, the way you know, for say, you know, how you hold your club or your stick, and that's hence the the phrase in hockey, they're holding their sticks too tight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's it's completely apt, and you know what's going to take for Rory to get over this hump uh, to to win the Masters, which he's obviously shown he's completely capable of. If there's anyone's game who you would say would be suited. Uh, to win the Masters, it would be Rory, but it's this, it's it's this mental pressure that kind of eats away almost in the back of your mind. Um, it, it's almost more uh, instead of thoughts, it's just like this feeling of creeping. You know, something's coming after me, and uh, that's a tough spot to be. And, and like back to the Leafs, like you know, there all were, of that was like all of that was completely to me. Uh, uh, attributable to how the Leafs were responding. 
back to the Leafs and the way that the, they see everything or they were seeing everything, even subconsciously, through a, totally. pri- through a prism of the, the specter of 19 years of futility in the last six years, especially of not getting past the first round. Yeah. You know, there's this term uh, puck luck. They had a lot of oh, bad. Yeah. They had a lot of bad puck luck. There were lots of pucks that could have gone in that were, you know, tipped out instead of tipping in. And this sounds like a golf game, you know, putts mm-hmm. that could have dropped. And the problem with what's what what they faced is that they see everything through that. Even if it's and, and that's why you know it's. I thought it was a good analogy to golf because we spent a lot of time talking about this with Fred. I said that, and, and because. You know, I played a lot of hockey in my life, but the the 25 years of, you know, studying the mental side, it's it's golf, but it's so it's so much like hockey or any other sport, whereas you say you start squeezing your stick so tightly, but mentally you start seeing everything as going against you and here we go again. 100%. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's the it's how we're perceiving things. This is happening. Therefore, this about me. What and, and it's been caught in a story. I was dealing while well, talking with a client last week, and he's saying when you ha- when when you have to make birdie, and and I, I said, okay, wait a sec. When do you have to make birdie? I said that's a complete story. You're attaching meaning to hitting this piece of rubber in a park. When you really come down, you you can strip everything down to it's almost like stupid, but. It's the attaching meaning to something. Mm-hmm. That's where we get invested, and that that just prompts me to to think more and to get caught and to get this sick feeling in my stomach. Uh, that's part of it, and, and that's the challenge of all this stuff is to just understand it's all just mental noise, and, and if we could just let that go, and yeah, as if that was easy. Man, it's the hardest thing to do in the world. Well, I mean, and not to, you know, plug mind track, but I mean, obviously, I've been thinking a lot about it. I've been talking to Dick Sokol a lot about it. I hinted that I'm... all you want. Well, I was going to say, I hinted that I'm (laughs) going to get involved with Dick. He wants to produce a podcast, and I said I'd help out, not host it. You know, I'm still, believe me, I'm still yours. But um, (laughs) what I like about mind track, and I had this conversation with, uh, and it's right for the second week in a row, my buddy Grant McDougall. And I said, what I like about it, because he's a big... He's a big mindfulness guy, as I've mentioned. He's a big, he's a, he's a voracious reader. He's, he's super interested in the mental side of the game, like a lot of people listening to us are. But Grant and I talk a lot about it. He, he referenced uh, the, uh, the Swedish Pia and what's-her-face. Um, uh, Pia Nilsson and Lynn Marriott. Yeah, but, you know, the Vision 54 people and a book that I read, I'm sure you did, Every Shot Counts. What, yep. what Mind Track does and Every Shot Counts does, and I'll say this, even better than Decade does. Not that Decade doesn't do a job of this. Dr. Larden is the guy that they associate with. He has a mental scorecard. But this is a long-winded way of saying what it does do is it helps you isolate golf shots for what they are. Separate events. With no connection, That's it's the practice of learning to disconnect them from each other. Like the little nuclei right there. And that's what we, we golfers do. We just drag them along. So by the time, you know, to your, your client's point, by the time he's on the seventh or eighth or ninth, he's made a double. He says, I have to make a birdie because the end of that sentence is to make up for yep. a mistake I made a while ago. I will take questions now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, you used to just, when it was time, you were like, okay, let Tim talk now. You just lean back. <laughs> now it's the... Uh, I'll take questions. questions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I like about MindTrack, and it's not the only game in town in terms of tools that one can use, but as you were talking, I was thinking about how... How do we disengage from that story? And it's just so totally natural. It's like I was talking with the same client about, you know, he was saying about, you know, holding the target in mind as Izzy Justice talked about. And again, that's such a wonderful thing. Like, uh, it's such a great idea intention, but it's so damn difficult. And the reason is, is our brains are so fast. They just like that. But when you use a tool like MindTrack, it kind of keeps the mind engaged and busy. It, 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 it's almost like busy work in a way. And, and we kind of get enthralled in doing this thing. And, and so the mind goes to rather than, say, getting caught in the story, well, what's my task here? Is that to think, okay, how well did I assess that? Okay, that would be a seven, you know, the execution. So you're thinking about things that are disengaged from all of that. So that's just my long-winded way of saying no, it. I, I, I think it's a good tool. Well, it's it's like any other tool, you know, and then, you know, the, the summer I, uh, like I've been using Decade now for a couple of years, but the first summer I tracked every shot for almost the entire other, other than tournament rounds, and not all tournaments. So I just it it was through that what you use there, busy work. What it does though, uh, another way of putting it might be you become focused on process versus results. Whatever that's a better way of saying it. Thank you. Whatever we do as players to find a way to focus on something other than the results of we're about to have it. And, and you'll love this too, because there's a mindfulness. You know, one of the things we talked about, you and I, I'm pretty sure it was during a recording, but about guided meditation versus just meditation. Right. Because like, I'll do some freestyle meditating, you know, I'll, as the kids say, I'll raw dog it. You know, I'll just do it on my own. I, do I have to tell you what raw dogging is or can I just leave it to your imagination? Uh, just leave it. Please. Okay. So, like on the waking up app, it. I'll, I'll explain after. On the waking up app, you can put a you can put a timer on and meditate for ten, yeah. 50, whatever you want. So I'll do that in the afternoon sometimes when I sort of just want to close my eyes. But what guided meditation does is like it. You're getting focused on. You're having somebody remind you to come back from your wandering mind, i.e., the process versus just sitting there getting caught up in story, which you which I love when you say that. And that's what we do well, as meditators. We get caught up in thoughts and sensations and feelings, and pretty. Then we need to be reminded to come back to the process, whatever that is that day. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a like most things, it's a balance. So you know, I'll, I'll go with the phrase freelancing in terms of <laughs> meditating without uh, someone's sonorous voice in my head. Um, the value of that is I get to witness my mind and I get to witness how my mind operates. And I can practice the skill of awareness. Oh, I'm once again, I'm I'm drifting off again. Bring it back. But the other nice thing about the guided meditation is it gives me something more, in essence, to hang on to. It's kind of like a, a lifeline to some degree. I don't know if this metaphor makes sense or not. But for sake of example, uh, I'm on the third hole at Blue Springs. And I've hit my third successive tee shot to the right. 
And it would be quite natural. I've done this many, many times that I tromp down the hole going, God darn it. Uh, what the hell am I doing? Am I starting too early? I get my hip block, you know, all that, the story, right? And then I go, oh, wait a sec. I don't want to get caught in my story. But if I had a guided meditation at the time, I'd be able to hang on to that. And the guided meditation would say, oh, look at the trees, feel the grass underneath your feet. And it would be easier to stay with thinking about, say, being in the environment rather than thinking all my goofy thoughts of how to stop blocking the ball to the right. It would bring you back to the present. Did that make any sense at all? Everything you say, everything that comes out of your mouth is gold, okay? Just know it. It's not true. It's Um, not true. But yeah, no, I'm 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 trying not to (laughs) stall. Um, Yeah, it's all all about... uh, being, you know, I, I did a meditation this morning before I got out of bed, and and you know, I, you know, he, and he even says this, okay, you know, give yourself over to this next ten minutes. Don't plan, don't think about what you're going to do, and then pretty pretty soon I find myself planning what am I going to do in the show, and then on, then he reminds you, okay, and if you find yourself doing that, thinking about why you're blocking everything to the right. Got to come back to the present, whatever that is. One of the things mm-hmm. that uh, Zokel said to me in a coaching session that I thought was interesting. Is I was talking about, I had a, I hit a couple of uh, pull hooks and he said, you've got to stop thinking about them in terms of even the kind of shot golf wise you hit. I'm paraphrasing. He said, shots are only this excellent, satisfactory or unsatisfactory, because if you start getting caught up and I'm blocking them or I'm pull hooking it or smother hooking or whatever, then you start to think about golf swinging. As opposed to, well, that shot was just unsatisfactory. What's my next task at hand? To your point, what is going to keep my mind busy with the work of being committed to process? Whatever that is. And I'm not, listen, I'm not selling people on mind track. I, uh, it's, I've only done four rounds of golf with it. Uh, you know, you and I have talked to Richard about it over the years a couple of times. But I instantly, resi- it instantly connected with me. Because I need something to anchor my busy brain on, or I'm going to start thinking about the million things of the golf swing that I can get involved with. So I just want to make sure I got this right. Yes, sir. So if I'm standing on the second tee at Blue Springs with all that, you know, that lovely spruce grove on the left. Yes. Rather than saying, oh, damn it, I pull hooked it in there. I could just say I hit a fucking terrible shot. Yes, that is one of the mind track. I love it. And people love it when you swear. I should get one of these. Tim said the F word. And we'll be right back. To say, did that Tim say raw dog in the fuck? Yeah, he did. Um, Yeah, you. Ba- I mean, listen, we're not we're not robots. You, you know, you're on that tee on uh, two there on Blue Springs, a long par three, beautiful hole. You tug it a little bit. And, um, you know, it's hard not to go, well, geez, why did I tug that? But in the in the playing of the game, that doesn't really do much for you. No, it doesn't. It's a total distraction. So if you're if you're if your scoring system is only based on excellent, satisfactory or unsatisfactory, that's or fucking a, terrible. Yeah, or extremely terrible. But in, oh. in, in the real world, I don't want to swear all the time. It's like gratuitous. Fucking. <laughs> oh, I, wait, Fred and I swear sometimes. We don't swear as much as we did when we first started doing this because we were like animals let out of a cage. We're little kids. Like, we, I had been on broadcast radio and whatever for 
30 some odd years before I started doing a podcast. And the first, if people ever went back to the beginning of the Humble and Fred podcast and heard how many times we said fuck, it was outrageous. Um, anyways, what I was trying to get to is whatever it is, whatever your, it, that's a better place to put your attention then and again in the in the nirvana of golf it would be I don't know I've, since I was a kid hearing people say play one shot at a time all right how exactly how do I not drag every round I've played every shot I've hit today every situation I've been you know back to the Leafs play one game at a time but everyone is reminding you and you know you haven't won a first round playoff uh, game since prior to the pandemic. Exactly. And, and where when you're thinking that way, where the hell are you placing your attention in the past? Where do you need to be? Well, quite obviously, be here now. Thank yeah. you, Ram Das. And what I, I love about what we're talking about is that rather than making placing my attention on my golf swing based on what just happened in the past and in hopes that in the future, hence my next shot, I'll be able to hit it well. What I like about it is it keeps me in the present, and that is so when I arrive to my next shot, it's like, what's the shot here? And just seeing what's in front of me, you know, again, not getting caught in the story. I need to make birdie here because I doubled I, I doubled two because I, I pull-hooked it. Yeah. Um, to me, it always comes back to, yeah, one shot at a time. Yes, indeed, very laudable. Yes. But how do we do that? And I, it's by hitting golf shots, not getting sucked into golf swing, which is then our mind is going backwards and forwards all over the place. And that's never good. No. And, and you know, what, what, how mind track describes it. And, that's, and listen, it's like sometimes you read a book and certain words resonate with you and then others. Sometimes someone might say to you a, a little thought or two about, you know, pitching or chip and you go, oh, that resonated with me. I get it. What resonates with me is Zokol's idea or Mindtrack's idea about separating each shot as, a, as making each shot its own separate event, even after you've made a double. In my limited experience with it so far, um, as I mentioned last week, the most I learned about it was in the round of that I the worst round scoring wise, but was the best round of like, oh, this is how this is when, this is going to work with me when I'm under real pressure, because that day, the only pressure I was under was self-imposed, which is I'm going to do the best I can and see if this little technique I've learned, how will it serve me when I'm swinging like shit? Because mm-hmm. that's what happens to us when we, you know, I've got a qualifier a week from uh, tomorrow. And for people who are outside of the uh, Southern Ontario region, I'll just tell you, the weather here has just been gross for three weeks. Like right today, I was, so it's like yeah. seven degrees and shitty. <laughs> you oh, know, you, you, you're in the banana belt. It's four degrees here in Guelph. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, and so it hasn't been a lot of rounds for the How Man, a.k.a. Humble Howard, a.k.a. GSL. That's called a callback, by the way. Um, yeah, so yeah. I don't. That's why I laughed. I'm. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to start to get to play some golf this weekend, and I've got this qualifier coming up, and I'm looking forward to applying this to that because that's really what what I want from this. And people who aren't maybe into tournaments like me, what I think they would get from this is to make their Saturday morning round a little bit more of a separate, a series of separate events. Well, yeah, I mean, to come back to be here now, yeah, 
in many ways. I not wearing my saffron robe. You but should be. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'd look like with a shaved head. I don't know, dude. You'd be cool. A lot of, I, a lot of I've do it. I've seen I've some pictures. I've seen some pictures of you when you had your rock star hair. You were <laughs> you were a cool looking dude, man. You had it going yeah, on. That's many, many years ago. And that would take, you know, that, that'd that be on the day I washed it. It always looked good. Those days sure. you washed it, it hey, would look does, really good. Like, if, if you would look good in a Who is Oscar Bravo saffron robe with a cool little collar. Anyway, continue, okay. please, sir. So, so, yeah, if I was wearing my saffron robe and I was talking with Ram Das, he would say that life is just one moment followed by another moment by another moment. It's not... It, it's not a story, a rationalization, a justification, a, a hope, uh, a, a regret. When we're in a place of, you know, of peace, equanimity, it's moment by moment by moment. And so why would golf be any different? And so it's just like what you're talking about. It's one shot. That's done. Followed by another shot, by another shot. When you're done the hole, you add them up. And the, again, really easy to say, harder to do. Right. But... It it just takes if I do that it takes me out of the whole story thing of oh I just got off to a bad start today and and yeah I, I was blocking them out to the right and then I overcompensated and oh well the round went to shit anyways and I mean story after story after story where all it is is one shot followed by another shot by another shot and you know I I've said this uh, a million times now on the program it's easy to be mindful and serene and tranquil. Easy to talk about it. Easy, and it's easy when it's now, but it's it's yeah. it's what 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 are you doing when you get punched in the face by golf, which we all do, like, and that's why whether it's decade or whether it's what a, some other practice, quiet mind or mind track, whatever it is that can help you to stop dragging holes with you, and listen, you know, we all do. It's why people get frustrated. It's a million reasons people get frustrated in golf, but what frustrates a lot of us is it's easy to do all this stuff when you're on a run of pars in a row or whatever in a row is good for you. It's when you're on a... And, and, and it's funny because Marty Chuck, our buddy from a Tour Striker, he, he, had, he once said this to me. I mean, he even said it on the show. That everybody in every round, you're going to have a run of holes. Whatever that is where it's not quite going your way. You know it's coming. So the fact that we all seem to be surprised when it does. Yeah. Like I told you, in that round of 81, I had three separate series of holes where I made two, two times three bogeys in a row and one time four bogeys in a row, which for me is a bit unusual. I, I tend not to do that. But while it was happening, what I tried to do is just keep, keep myself away from going, oh, what the fuck is going on here? And and my goal was to not make worse than a bogey, no matter what the situation was. For me, making a double bogey in those situations would only happen, like your client, it would only happen if I was like, oh, i got to make a birdie to make up for all these bogeys. And then you start doing things and making decisions that will, make, that will lead you to mistakes that lead to higher scores. Yeah, it just leads to, to more anxiety. It's like getting on the four hundred one and you know, and uh, you know, in Guelph, at, well, south of Guelph, and thinking, okay, I'm going to get to my appointment at eight thirty in Etobicoke on the four hundred one. Just everything's going to be smooth sailing. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you come to those those places where it bunches up, and then what happens? Anxiety and the story. Oh my God, I'm going to be late. I know I was late last time, and 
uh, it's no different than in golf. This we just get caught in the story, the cycle of the you know thoughts and feelings, and oh, there we go, the anxiety just feeds on itself. And that's a very different thing than going well. I'm probably going to have a slowdown at Mavis, and then again, you know, mm. and just knowing it's going to come. I mean, one of the things that uh, I think I read somewhere that the uh, the Hague, Walter Hagen said he always knew that he was probably the way he played. He'd have at least one double bogey around, and so when it happened, you go, okay, there, took care of it. Yeah. You know, I've mentioned this uh, a bunch of times in 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 this forum and in my, in my many talks that I give people. <laughs> the, uh, but uh, you know, what just happened to your microphone? It just it just went down, much like me at age sixty three. Um, you know, everyone, and this is it, it applies to life. I'm saying this for the one thousandth time. Hang on, and it applies especially to golf. Everyone thinks today is the day nothing bad is going to happen. This is a thing. One of the first things I ever heard Sam Harris say from the Waking Up app, which I love. One of the first things I ever heard was a discussion with him. It's about a five or six minute thing about how he, a friend of his said, did you think yeah. today would be the day where your phone didn't work? The, something was wrong with the furnace. Your knee hurt. Somebody close to you was a little bit ill. The car didn't start, etc. The Mavis, t- there was a tie up in Mavis. Did you think today, did you think you weren't going to be solving problems? And long before I started de- delving into mind track with Zokal, and this is even years ago, uh, Yoda Henrik would used to say to me, Howard, he'd say, golf is 18 separate games. And yeah. And if you don't look at it that way, you're always going to be at the, it's always going to be at the mercy of being surprised. Like I, I did that little bit with you many times about how golfers like to sneak into the round. Hopefully golf won't know they're there for two mm-hmm. or three holes. And it's like, it's like a big surprise when they snap hook it on the first tee and they go out of bounds. What, what turned for me was understanding that when I walked to that first tee, golf was going to know I was there because I'm ready for it. I'm like, okay, I could on first hole at one of the first nines at Glen Karen, there's pot bunkers. I can usually get over them. Sometimes I smother it and don't. Guess what, dude? You've just hit it into a hazard. Now what are you going to do? So a lot of us like to ease into it, hoping that we'll get some good feelings or whatever. But, you know, I, I live really close to that. I'm 60 seconds from the gardener. I could pull out of my house and in 60 seconds be in a traffic jam. You know, uh-oh, hang on, here we go. <laughs> there you go. So oh the God. moral of this latest diatribe is, how can you be surprised that in every day of your life, you're, you're going to that we were built to solve problems and how it applies to golf, at least for me, or I try to, is it's a series of of assessments and executions. I use that terminology now, but I always I've tried to look at it like like Carl Morris said years ago on this show. What's the what does the good shot look like here? And Morris said this. You ask your, if you give your brain good questions. Exactly. It will, it will come up with solutions. In the Tim O'Connor world, your body knows what to do, but you have to ask it the right question. You know, what, what is the good shot here? If that's a little bit of a slight draw around this bunker or whatever it is, that's a better question than thinking, how do I hit a draw? Mm-hmm. Well, what I, I like about that is asking questions. It works in all aspects of life. And isn't that one of the wonderful things about swing thoughts is that we delve into mm-hmm. all parts of life. But um, there's a great quote uh, 
it's usually attributed to Stephen Covey, but I think he borrowed it from St. Francis. And that is seek first to understand, then be understood. So how do you seek first to understand? You ask questions. And so whether it's uh, you, you've got a situation with someone in, in a relationship, whether it be, you know, intimate partner or work or or golf, you're going to ask questions to understand and getting outside of yourself rather than being get caught up in my own thoughts and my own projections and basically guesswork. If I ask questions, then I start to get information and I get a better understanding of what's actually happening. I get a better sense of what's real rather than my perceptions of the world. And so, yeah, did that make sense? I, I believe everything makes sense. Um, I love Stephen Covey. One of the best things in that book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, he always, one of the ones that stuck out for me was begin with the end in mind. Oh, but yeah. with golfers, I don't think that applies. Um, back to uh, your client. Correct. Pardon me? Correct. Uh, yeah, I thought you said with the end in mind. I would <laughs> say. No, what, just for a second there, it sounded like you called me Grant. And I'm like, did he forget my name completely now? Um, Correct. I'm sorry. I misheard you because I was going to say that Carl Morris would apply to your client who now becomes the theme of the show. Ask saying I need to make a birdie here tells your brain nothing. Right. All it does is it puts your body on a fucking fight or flight vibration. Yeah. Asking the question, what is this putt? This again, Carl Morris. What is what does this putt have to do to go in the hole? Where does like I'm not sure that's the exact question, but it's like what does a good putt look like here? But what is and where does it have to roll? And you start yeah, seeing what's going it. on here. What's what's the green? What's what are the greens rolling? Like but today? but that's different than saying yeah. I need a birdie. Hundred percent because I was bad yeah. and made some non birdies. <laughs> All right. Before this devolves into just more nonsense. I think that was great. So we we're going to have Sasha McKenzie on. I, I want to read you. An, can I read you an email? You may. I don't know why you're asking my permission. Well, I, just, I, I just want to see where you're at, man. Well, that's kind of you. Go ahead. Read, 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 read the email. What is, what I, I have a bunch of sounds. I don't even know what they are. Hang on. Okay, that's that. Time for uh, Swing Thoughts emails. Uh, this is from uh, a young Eastern Canadian named Grantis. <laughs> He said, uh, he sent me this just before we started taping about last week's show. He said, really appreciated the chatter on mindfulness and the waking up, uh, waking up app and the shout out to your buddy, Grant McDougal. Also loved Tim's use of the terms laudable and take a cotton to. Okay. As usual, loved your breakdown of the 81 and the back and forth with you and Tim. Uh, Always my favorite part of the show when you're being honest about your struggles. What else can I be? Even though they are few and far between, he says. Also, as a close friend and interested observer, were you ever able to sort out the smother hooks? I'm assuming it was just one of those days which can happen when you're playing golf in April. Thank you, uh, Grant, for your inquiry and your fine comments. Yes, I figured out what I was doing. Part of it was I was, uh, I'm old. That's one part of it. But I was—I uh, had four layers on, and uh, you know, I just wasn't quite able to, you know, turn, which can really be a, an issue. And and, and again, it's funny because I uh, I think about some of the times I've played in big tournaments, and I start smother hooking it, 
it's because I do the same thing. It's as though I've got four layers on. I'm not quite able to make a turn. I'm afraid to. There's fear in me. You know, I got back to the Leafs. We were talking about this on the show, how they were looking. It looked like sometimes they play to not play bad. Yep. Don't not, make they're a mistake. Not, they're not playing to play great, which we've all had that feeling under pressure, whatever that pressure is. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I kind of gotten to become, I kind of chalk it up to there's going to be days when that's going to happen. And hopefully when, when I can feel those days, I can still be interested in other parts of my game to try and mitigate the score the best I can. Yep. I don't know what to add to that. That was, was just You know what? Let's just, let's just take a moment and just kind of relax. And <laughs> <laughs> just breathe. Why not? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let your sonorous words resonate within my core. Well, let's uh, let everyone know that. Uh, let's let them know this part first. Let's start with this because I think it's cool that we have this uh, commercial. I'll play it again. I'm not sure if we're contracted to play it twice, but I'm going to play it again. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things: distance and forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the all-new Stealth 2 with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. Wait, did you say forgiveness like far or forgiveness like forgiveness? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I'm hearing far. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Exactly. Rory gets it. The all-new TaylorMade Stealth 2. Learn more at taylormadegolf.ca. So can we now say that we've had Colin, Tiger, and Rory on our show if only to say we've had their voices on our Absolutely show. we can. But we'll put that in the uh, the new deck for uh, 2024. Exactly. I wonder when those guys got the script for that. They're like, how much money are they paying us? <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's ingenious. It's cute. It's Yeah, it's cute. Hey, um, this program is brought to you by, when do I get to it here, the... Uh, Oh, here it is. Brought to you by TaylorMade Golf and the Spider GTX putter, which the Howman has received. I was and at, ha- have you actually struck a ball with it? Yeah, I was at. Uh, I picked it up at TaylorMade um, somewhere between the last taping and now. I was hanging out with the guys there, and I spent about an hour in their little putt lab. And uh, I haven't had a new putter in four or five years. The all-new Spider GTX from TaylorMade. Experience the power of putting with better stability and alignment. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Again, always being a little reticent to mess around with weight. This couldn't be simpler because it's got a sliding weight, front, back, middle, just like three wood. If you put it on the front, what it does is it makes it feel a little bit more like a, a blade or, a, a you know, more of a blade type of putter. It gives, a, it gives the a bit more swing. Put it all the way to the back. It's a full-on mallet. But oh, man, cool. oh, man. It's uh, it's certainly indoors. It rolls it nice, and uh, I'm you know I'm I'm looking forward to that new putter, you know, honeymoon period, you know that five when you're like uh, new putter, new driver, where it just feels like man, we were made for each other. Oh yeah, but here, here's here's my classic uh, new putter in the bag story. It was about 15 years, 20 years ago, I was at a conference, and uh, sticks putters STX. Yeah, uh, the guy. One of the guys gave me a putter as I'm going out to, uh, in essence, the first tee. I didn't have a chance to even hit a practice putt or not, 
I one putted my first three greens. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my god, this is amazing. And uh, so at the time, I was so this is the '90s. I'm a golf writer, and I I called. Uh, it was on something else, but it was I called Frank Thomas. And he was the technical director of the USGA. So he was the guy who was had the ultimate word on declaring whether a golf club was conforming or not, you know, the whole core thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I had a chance to talk to him, and I told him about this. And I said, what the heck went on? He goes, placebo effect. Yeah. He says, when you get that new putter, your, your whole being – is just entranced by this new feeling, what it looks like and everything. And so, in essence, you're staying out of your way because you're just stroking the ball. But then, you know, a week, two weeks go by and you start to miss some putts. You do what you normally do. And start of course. Think, What's wrong with my putting stroke? And then the, that putter will join the rest, um, you know, behind your, your furnace and you can put it into the rotation. Well, I, I, I've been using the same spider it's pretty beat up, but I love it. I just changed the grip on it for the first time in four years. And I'm going to try the uh, new Spider, the GTX, this weekend. Um, but I'm going to be careful because I really love the other one. But I'm going to see how it goes. If I, Because I'm hoping to get four or five, six rounds of that new spy, a new putter thing out of it, including this qualifier I have a week from tomorrow. Uh, but I want everyone to know if you're in the Guelph area... CID is uh you heard him? You heard of this band? <laughs> C- I, I think I heard of them. CID <laughs> is playing at uh this uh, gig it's at um the Onyx, Onyx uh along with the Essential Letdowns and the opener's backbreaker from Kitcher. It'll be a great night of loud and proud punk featuring on bass Number one in your hearts, Tim O'Connor, and I, I love what you say here in this picture in your uh, in your Substack. You say uh, you give you give a, a, a tell everyone who is everyone in the picture, and then you say because uh, you know I, I, first thing I notice is you got your hat on backwards. <laughs> I'm like, but you say backward hat provides instant street cred, essential for playing punk. And I would say this uh, with respect that of all the things about you that people would think they know the fact that you play bass in a punk band would not be on anyone's top five list. <laughs> I think that's why I led that particular Substack blog by saying people are surprised when I tell them oh, yeah. I play bass in a punk band. Um, yeah, it's, it's so fun. I mean, doing this podcast is a lot of fun, but getting up on stage with the guys in the band, there's four others and, you know, playing really loud and fun, energizing music like this, it is such a gas. And um, and the nice thing I'm, I'm proud to say, too, is that we're really good. We, uh, this incarnation of, of our band, we've been together five years. And, uh, you know, so we play, I feel like on a marketing thing here, we're just going to go for it. Uh, you know, we play... Uh, Sex Pistols, Clash, Buzzcocks, Stiff Little Fingers, that style of, of punk music from the late 70s. And yeah, it's 40 years old. I'm 66. Yeah, it's golden oldies for me. I just effing love it. It's so fun and so energizing. And a lot of the, the things they, Joe Strummer and and uh, the guys in Stiff Little Fingers sang about, that stuff still stands up. So it's it's so fun. 
Well, one day I hope to uh, leave my home, (laughs) uh, you know, which I don't like to do that much, uh, and uh, go see you play. Uh, One thing about those songs that you mentioned, first of all, they take a lot out of you. There's a lot of effort, especially on bass. A lot of there's a lot going on, and they're pretty short songs. They're yeah, like you two, two and a half. Minutes. That's right. They're two and a half minute songs. I know from playing some of them on the radio that those aren't like you know a lot of those. Uh, uh, it's not it's not just Sex Pistols, the Ramones. Those are like two and a half minute songs. Yeah. So there's a lot of songs in an hour. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, our set. Most of our sets we have we shoehorn in about. 10 to 11, sometimes 12 songs. And that's about a 35 minute set. Exactly. And it's because we don't talk between songs because usually it's just, you're out of breath. Guys are saying anyways, <laughs> but it's sure ain't like, um, yes. And, uh, no, oh, there's uh, not there's tangle no. and all these bands where they play two songs and then they go out for his, you know, one guy does a solo. The other guys go order a pizza and yeah. have a smoke. There's no eight minute. There's no eight minute synth solos. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God for that. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, uh, thanks to TaylorMade and thanks to uh, who is OscarBravo.com. Uh, I guess we'll reschedule Sasho McKenzie. I was looking forward to that. And uh, I'd even written down some uh, questions. Uh, do, you know, do you know who might join us next week? Oh, golly. Hang on. I'm going to look over my calendar. Do that. No, so far my calendar item is a barren prairie. It says swing thoughts. But I'll, you know, Sasho, come well, on, man. Maybe we'll get Sasho get back. Him, get him back. Why not? I'm sure we can come up with somebody. Although I will say this, uh, and I think people listening will agree, this was one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> Look, just talking with you, humble. Oh, there that's, you go. That's, that's, that's enough. For me. See? See, it's not so scary to call a grown man humble. All right, everybody. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca, The Humble and Fred Show, proudly produces Swing Thoughts. And uh, nerds, we will uh, see you next week. Keep your dicks in your pants.